You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. It means like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and check out our YouTube page. And by the way, the YouTube page is where you can find the video. If you're just listening to this on streaming or whatever, then it's, you know, audio only. But on YouTube, there is video of our beautiful faces. Our guest today is actually me. My name is Oliver Altine. I'm the producer of the show. I'm also a musician, and I have a new album out. The album is called Last Night I Dreamt I Was Drowning, and you can find it on all the major streaming platforms. And they interview me about me, and it's really fun. So here we go. Well, here we are, the fellas Mm -hmm. in the, uh, the sacred space of Oliver's production room, a.k.a. his garage. We are. And why are we here, Satch? Because Oliver, our extraordinary producer of the show, editor, and creator of all things musical, has a new album. And it is awesome. Awesome. Seriously, it is awesome. It's a a big time work of art. I love it. I've listened to it a lot. Yeah, so have I. And I've I've recommended it to people too. Mm -hmm. And it is fantastic. And we have to talk about it in this episode. Yes. Let's do it. And not just Mm -hmm. maybe that album, but, but... all of the stuff you put out, yeah. Actually, yeah. I do generally put out a new little snippet of music for every episode of the Authenticity Show. Mm-hmm. With a very few exceptions, every episode has a unique little like interstitial piece of a uh, thirty seconds of music. You know, yeah. And you know, um, a lot of the songs on this album, or even pieces of the songs on the album. Um, if anybody listens to the show regularly, they might remember little snippets from mm. previous episodes that you just chose to pull into an episode for a little interlude or something. That's true. That's yeah. true. Because a lot of these songs I've been working on just sort of here and there for a long time, a couple years, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't like deadlines. Not when I'm making art, you know? Mm-hmm. Deadlines yeah. are fine when, you know, for other things. But mm-hmm. when I'm really wanting to put something out there that, that's a true expression of, of, of me. A deadline does not work for me. It happens mm-hmm. in its own time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's inspiration. You can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are ways to you know, bring on inspiration and you know, encourage it and stimulate it, but sometimes you just have to wait for it. Or at least I do. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from somebody who actually makes a lot of music. You've been making a lot of music, it mm-hmm. seems. I mean, to me, that's my perspective. Like every time I come over, you've got some new thing you're working on, and you've you've got this this you know computer bank of all these cool little musical clips and things you've been working on. And yet, in the midst of all that, you still weave together these albums. Yeah. Well, the, all the little clips I make are sort of like the you know like the quarry for. Um, the larger structures that I, you know, that I build, that I release to the world, you know, little ideas. Oh, that became a thirty-second thing. This idea developed into a twenty-two-minute song. You know, mm-hmm. you have to let things. Um, if you plant the seeds mm-hmm. in a particular way, you know, who knows? Who knows what can grow? Yeah, yeah. And you do put out a lot, <laughs> according to your wife. Yeah, <laughs> and she's happy about that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, I'm good to go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Noted. It feels sort of awkward in uh, welcoming Oliver to the Authenticity Show since he's here every single time, and he's he's the the maestro behind the, yeah. the curtains, man, doing all sorts of amazing stuff for our show. Yeah. Anyway, but welcome to the show, Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. Good totally. to be here. Yeah. And I was teasing you before the show just to let you know if there's anything about the episode you want to change or edit, feel free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. since you are the guy who does that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should let someone else edit this episode. <laughs> I know. Like, maybe I'm not objective enough, you know? Yeah, that's, Fiber. that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, but being able to interview you for the show is kind of like allowing an ear to hear itself. It's called Last Night I Dreamt I Was Drowning. Um, okay, yeah, we got we to hear more about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to know yeah, about that title. Uh, well, I mean, you know, doesn't everyone sort of feel like that this past year? I mean, with the pandemic thing, sure, like, sure. 
I just, everyone's felt a little more um, fragile, at least I have, you know, mm -hmm. lonely, frustrated. It's been a tough year, you know? Yeah, I mean, sure. I have you guys, which is great, you know? Well, thank goodness uh, we have each other. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, sometimes I just feel like, I don't know, I just, there's a weight on me, you know? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I like to write songs when I feel that way for two reasons. One is that it helps me to feel better, but also it's, you know, it's a good, good songs come out of that stuff. Mm, yeah. When I'm yeah. feeling contented, usually I'm not worried about writing it down. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, Last Night I Dreamt I Was Drowning. The original title for this album, actually the working title for um, at least a year was, and I, <laughs> I, I shit you not, this was the title of the album, The Motion Inside the Stillness and the Ecstasy Thereof. Mm, I remember you saying oh, that. Which is possibly yeah, yeah. the most pretentious title ever. I mean, come wow. on. And the reason I didn't go with that was because I, I knew I was going to have to repeat that a lot to people who didn't catch it the first time, and mm -hmm. I just didn't want to have to do that. Yeah. So mm. last night I dreamt I was drowning. It's also the first line, of you know, lyrical line of the first song in the album. I was just going to yeah. ask you, yeah, how that, how that played out in the song, pun intended. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at least a few songs on this album have themes about sinking beneath water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and as I've shared with you before, um, some of the songs really, really strike a, a feeling chord inside of me that, that is overwhelming. Um, yeah. One of the songs that you play, which I hope we're going to hear a little bit of uh, later, is, is um, um, Take Me With You. And, and as I told you over and over again, it just yanks the tears out of me every time. And um, I don't know. For for me, um, I had this discussion with Danny actually the other night about about what I felt it was about, and I'd like to hear what you feel that it's about as well. But I definitely got a, a sense of the beyond, like beyond life, death, that kind of feeling of being pulled um, into something that's beyond the body, and and it reminded me of the people that I've lost that that mattered to me. Yeah, yeah. We we both we've all lost a, a few friends uh, last mm -hmm. few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it's about yeah. It's about yearning and loneliness and on a real uh, you know gross level. It's about just wanting to get out of the house. You going to the store? Take me with you. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll go. I want to go anywhere. Um, but also, it's just it's about the yearning for companionship on the spiritual journey. You know. Mm. Let's go together, you know, let's explore together, whether it's this life or beyond or, you know, the mountaintops and the deepest depths. Um, you know, of course, you guys know a lot of that searching is done alone, mm. necessarily, yeah, because of the nature of, of the search, but the spiritual search, but sometimes you have a companion and it's really nice when you, when you can find one. For sure. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like um, uh, we're all on this... Um I guess d different type of journey. Each each person's on their own journey, but um, we sort of, as friends and family, and you know, close people that support each other. It's kind of like we're members of the same crew on the same ship. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're we're out mm -hmm. on this journey. Even though we have our separate journeys, we also have a shared journey. We're also on a similar vessel on a similar ocean, going to a similar place. You know, it's a good thing we have each other. You know, and Danny's wife and our friend Paula sings backup vocals on "Take Me With You." Yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of a Lovely. fun story how this happened. If if you don't mind uh, hearing yeah, it, yeah, let's yeah. hear it. So this was early on in the pandemic. I wrote this. It was a very much a pandemic song. Um, I think I was writing it in May of 2020, um, and I needed some backup vocals. And Paula's one of my go-to. I mean, she's a great vocalist, but specifically for backup vocals, she's able to do this thing with her voice where it's just kind of pure and not exactly flat, but just kind of like very supportive. Hmm. And it's just perfect for backup vocals. And I was talking to her on the phone. I was like, Paula, I need you to sing this line. And I sang it to her over the phone. And she's like, okay, hold on. And she got her microphone and recorded it at her house and then like emailed it to me. And she's like, is that it? And I was like, oh, almost. This other note needs to be changed or whatever. So we went back and forth like 10 times. And eventually, you know, we got it. Wow. And it's not, you know, I don't think she has as nice microphones as I have. And it's, it sounds a little bit lo fi, the recording, you know? She just kind of did it on, on the fly. But it's kind of just perfect, mm -hmm. partly because of the way it happened, but partly because the whole song is a little bit 
kind of crackly and lo-fi a little bit mm-hmm. uh, compared to the rest of the album. Um, and it's just it just kind of makes sense for it to be a little bit there's there's a little bit of static in there anytime you start talking about the beyond, you know. And so I guess the fact that I mean not literal static, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the signal to noise ratio is a little bit lower just generally with this one artistically. And it somehow it just seemed right. Well, it's a it's a perfect pandemic story, right? I mean, you guys were were many miles apart and yeah. and talking over the phone and just sort of connecting via the internet, you know, to it's get stuff, stuff pandemic done. Pandemic business as usual. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it happens cool. with musicians too. You know. Um, what are the lyrics to that song? If you, you don't mind uh, speaking them out. If you're bound for better days and light-filled ways, take me with you. If you've flown through the soft and silvery sky, way up high, take me with you. If you've been down deep underground where the lost get found, take me with you. My days have come unnumbered like an endless sea. My nights have come unslumbered like a waking dream. Let my spirit be unencumbered, floating free. If you've seen the light beyond and you're traveling on, take me with you. Dang, wow. Them's the, wow. Them's the ones. Wow. It just makes me sigh. Yeah. I have a... Um, the, the version, of, oh, by the way, I should mention, uh, a friend of ours, Vadim Tabor, actually contributed some of the soundscapey stuff to this song. Um, and also there's like a choir part at the end, kind of a beatles choir part. Mm-hmm. That was Vadim. Vadim did. It was mm-hmm. kind of a collaboration. I wrote the song, but he contributed some pretty cool stuff to it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is super cool. Wow. So thanks, bro. Yeah. And Vadim Tabor has a, <clears throat> Vadim has a band called um, Poison the Well, I think, that he's <laughs> a, kind of like a hardcore band that he's going to be, mm-hmm. I guess, touring with again coming up in August or something and... He's great. 2021. Vadim's a cool dude. I have a, a, a version that I'll just play on this piano here, Take Me With You, um, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. 
Awesome. Wow. There you go. Wow, Wally. My goodness. Wow. And you're and you're really a guitar player. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a piano player, <laughs> wow. or, or a singer, you, as you say, right? You know, let's, yeah. let's talk about that because, you know, I, I I know that you sing all the time, and you're a great singer, and yet you kind of don't think of yourself as like a singer often. I've heard you say things like that, like, well, you know, I'm not really a singer for the band, but I guess I could. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, well, that's been the story of my life with singing is that I was always the singer in the bands I've been in, simply because nobody else wanted to do it. Yeah, like my high school band, the Lumberjacks. <laughs> formed in uh, early 1990. Um, we're like, we got to find a singer. We got to find a singer. Nobody wants. Oh, fuck. I'll, I'll sing. Fine. I'll do it. I'll sing. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a belter. I just belt it out. I mean, uh-huh. I, I get sensitive sometimes, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but uh, you know, it's got to get done. I mean. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> you got to step up, man up. Sometimes. Well, lumberjacks got to man up. You know. Yeah, no, I mean, I do sing. I, you know, I, yeah. I do think of myself as a singer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a band called Dry River, which was like kind of a blues rock band. You know, I, I sang a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I get kind of gravelly. I get a little Tom Waitsy sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. I like sure. to kind of like move my head around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to make vibrato by like moving my whole body instead of just my vocal cords. Yeah, you know? nice. There you go. If you're I really like it when you take um, a song and you, it, it's like this nice long journey. Um, you know, you have a couple of songs that are like 33 or 30 minutes long, that kind of thing. Some long ones, yeah. Yeah. And I like that because um, it's a real, it's a real journey that I feel like I'm taking on. I, I love that about the music is that it feels um, like I'm being taken somewhere. <laughs> take me with you. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, this is like the highest compliment you can tell me right now. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way. I've noticed you've, um, in recent years, you, you've made longer songs or kind of like epics, you mm-hmm. know, it's like a, like a journey. A yeah. few. Yeah, I've made a few that I, that, that are yeah. epic. Yeah. How yeah. Wagnerian of you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think well, they're not Clash four and a half hours. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah. 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 Nice and long, but you know what? Um, I've always appreciated that about, you know, me, like I, I enjoy classical Indian music oh, yeah. and that's one of the things yeah. that classical Indian music does. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a longer commitment Sure. and it takes its time. You know, it's like, you kind of have to wait for the grapes to ferment. You know, you're going to watch mm-hmm. the wine be made while, while you're there, you know, and yeah. you've got some, you know, a lot of your songs aren't like that. Right. But you've, you, sure. you do have some of those lately and there's a couple on this album. Well, what's the longest one in your on this on this album? Uh, the long uh, one is called "Sunken Treasure." Shrunk, sunk, yeah, it's really the only one, one on this album that I would consider to be like an epic journey. I mean, yeah, there are the other ones are like ten minutes, eight, nine, ten minutes, but this one's mm-hmm. like I think twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and not to distract um, from the album because this is freaking amazing. But the other album that you did where where there was the song "Endlessness." Oh, endlessness. Yeah, it That's was a, not, it was just a single actually. Oh, it was a single. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it was thirty eight minutes, but it was a single. Yeah. Nice long single. Um, but I have a funny story to share with you guys. Um, oh, cool. And I was saving it for this moment because I didn't want to tell you beforehand. Um, so I've been listening to all of your stuff the last week or two. And uh, I I played Endlessness on Spotify. And for some reason, it got stuck on my Spotify. Okay. I kept closing Spotify, changing stations to try to see if I could get it unstuck on endlessness so i was endlessly stuck on endlessness so you couldn't listen to anything else on spotify well that's the thing is i could but it wouldn't show me anything else so it, it basically showed the image of endlessness at the very end of endlessness mm, so the okay. the progress bar was at the very end and it would never change so um you know how i i like to share when i when i'm, I'm listening to music and i and i, I get a certain feeling of oh this is really cool i think i want to share it i'll share it on instagram i'll share it on facebook on my stories or whatever yeah. and uh I can't or I couldn't because 
once I shared endlessness, it just kind of stayed stuck there、mm. and I couldn't get rid of it.、Um, so、mm. I was listening to lots of different things, but that one thing. And so、uh, finally, I think I rebooted a few times and it, it, it finally got rid of that、uh, image and became unstuck in the endlessness. There was an end to the endlessness. <laughs> There was an end to the endlessness. So were you seeing、yeah. like the, the album cover too the whole time on、yes. your phone? Yes. So, so that's, that's some artwork by a friend of mine named Dave Bushmeyer,、huh. who lives in Canada. I think he's in Toronto. And he's, he actually mastered、uh, this album. Last night I dreamt I was drowning. Cool.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a visual artist and a musician. And I've, yeah. So when me and Vadim、um, collaborated on Take Me With You back in the early pandemic,、mm-hmm. uh, he was Vadim's friend. And so he mastered that song for us. And then when I、awesome. finished the album, I was including it on the album. So I said, well, you got to master the whole album now, man. You know? And he mastered it a little bit different, kind of to match the tone of the rest of the songs, of course. you know.、Awesome. But he's an amazing visual artist. Dave Bushmeyer, I mean, find him. He's one of my friends on Facebook. Okay. He, he made this, actually. Can we get a shot of this、uh, really quick? Oh, that psychedelic poster up there. A blueprint of the spiritual universe, it's called. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is so cool. I love it. Yeah, it's a carving, you know, and he runs off prints. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's like a cutting. Where he makes it with like a chisel or whatever. Like an、huh. engraving or whatever. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. True old school print. That's great. Well, you know, Oliver,、um, <clears throat> I do understand that、um, one of the things we wanted to talk about is that you play a lot of instruments on this album.、Yeah. I mean, like almost everything on this is you. I know there's a few other people that、yeah. have contributed and everything, but、yeah. um, there's some exotic instruments. Could you maybe talk about? Some of the, if somebody were to listen to this album, what are some of the things, what are the kinds of instruments they should look for? And can you show us a little bit about some of those things so people know what, what they're listening to? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guitars.、Um, we can see these guitars behind me. Actually, this guitar right here is my main guitar for this album.、Uh, this is a Fender Jazzmaster, and it's a beauty.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a crazy expensive guitar, it's a Jazzmaster, but it's just great. It makes、um, me want to drink a latte. It's <laughs> got that look, you know,、yeah. caramel latte or something. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's bright, but it's not as twangy as a Telecaster. And it's, you know, it's got the whammy bar, but it's not as sensitive as a Strat. It's actually a pretty unsensitive、uh, whammy bar. You really have to work it to make the sound change, which I like. I like to work、yeah. a little harder, you know. <laughs>、uh, like Jack White says in that documentary, it might get loud. He would always put. The, you know, we set up the stage so he had to work a little harder. If he had to get to the keyboard, he, he put it as far away as possible so he would have to like, race to get there. Like, he always tried to make <laughs> things as hard for himself. I, mean, I don't go that far, but I thought that was a pretty interesting、That's、thing、great. by、That's、Jack White.、Wow. Um, so、um, you know, I play bass, I play guitars, acoustic, electric guitars.、Um, I play this instrument,、um, oh, which、yes. is called a dobro.、Uh, it's a wooden guitar with a metal resonating cone. Not to be confused with a national, which is a. Metal guitar with a metal resonating cone.、Mm-hmm. Um, I'll play this for you in just a minute.、Uh, this thing. Ah, the harmonium.、Mm-hmm. Uh, this is our harmonium.、Um, I got this from your mother, Carlos. Satyavati. Satyavati, who's a friend and just a wonderful person.、Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually on Take Me With You as well. So it's basically a, a table organ. It's on my lap right now, but usually put it on the floor, actually, and you、mm-hmm. sit, you know, cross legged and play it.、Mm-hmm. Um, so、uh, let's see. Yeah. You know, it's like a table accordion.、Uh, but the sound I used on Take Me With You, there's this weird, it just does this one thing. It's like this trick sound, it's like a vibration sound. Ah.、Uh. That's such、mm. a cool vibrato thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so it's cool. It's random, but it's cool. And it's kind of expressive in like kind of a quirky sort of way.、Mm-hmm. And, and the harmonium is used in different traditions. I, know, I mean, I know it's in classical indie music, they use this,、mm-hmm. and, and some, some other traditions too. So it's, it's, it's actually, a neat instrument. As far as I know, it's a German design、mm-hmm. that came to India by way of the British Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes、Damn、sense. Those Brits. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Anyway, so、uh, that's, that's kind of fun. Where's Joel Jarrison? <laughs> Joel Jarrison's here. <laughs> I got this from your mom, too, right? Yep. <laughs> I, I, 
Carlos's mom is all over this album. Uh, she is. Her her signature, her 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 akashic or her uh, astral imprint is all over the album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. So this is a tambura. Looks like tanpura. Mm-hmm. Tanpura. It's a Indian instrument as well. And I got this from Carlos's mom, Satyavati, as well. Thank you again. I mean, you know, I bought it from her, but she gave me a good price. Awesome. And it's a drone instrument. There's no frets. You don't hold down the strings at all. You just tune it to whatever notes you want it to be. Right now I have it tuned like this. Mm. And it's, you know, I, I've heard it referred to as the queen of the instruments. I mean, if you if you go to, when I first got this, I was like, how do I play this thing? How do I tune it? So I went to YouTube and how to play tambora. And there's, you know, these... Indian tambora masters, mm-hmm. they want to give you a long lecture before they even begin to tell you how to play it, you know? Oh, wow. Like, you got to understand. It's, so like, it's, well, it's, it's the queen, it's the Maharani of yeah. instruments. There's a special story um, associated with that that's kind of neat. Um, you know who Ali Akbar Khan is, right? The famous musician. Yeah, so right. that, that particular instrument was from the Ali Akbar Khan School of Music, and Ali Akbar Khan is the one who, who uh, sold it to her. Right. So, yeah, yeah so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for those who don't who don't know Indian music, that would be like getting a, a instrument from like Eric Clapton. You know, I mean, it's, he's like really amazing. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so. So what else is on here? Um, different keyboards. I have this keyboard, and you know, just the keyboard. Various. Um, there's like a vibraphone, and I have an electric piano sound. You know, they're just sounds. You know, sampled sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played them. You know, I didn't yeah. just program them. I played them. Even though I'm not really a keyboard player. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We'll go with that. I understand how it works. The notes are all in order. You know, I just play the ones I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually a good policy, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking. Um, let's see. Who else is on here? Uh, I, had a, I, I did all the electric bass playing, but a friend named Ben Ross played the upright bass on Sunken Treasure. And I had him do a lot of different things, make some different sounds on the bass. Uh, when you play it with a bow, you can get this cool kind of creaky scratching sound, mm. which you can hear in Sunken Treasure. kind of sounds like the boat's sort of like getting ripped apart at the seams a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And some cool harmonics and different types of upright bass sounds. I think there's like, you know, 12 Ben Rosses on this album, 12 tracks of Ben doing various things. And uh, my drummer for this album, I don't, I don't, I don't record drum. I, I play the drums, but I'm not great at it. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So my friend Evan Kilborn is the the drummer. He's a beast on the drums, man. I mean, anyway, li- listen, especially listen to Flame of Life. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. Flame of Life, his drum beat. So I originally had this kind of just quirky electronic drum beat that I just laid over the track to record to um, just as a working drum beat to give me a tempo and a vibe or whatever. And it's kind of this kind of real weird, um, just kind of off-kilter kind of electronica thing. But I got so used to that sound because I kind of wrote the song around it. And it was I was like, I always thought I was going to change it, you know. Um, but when Evan came over, I was like, well, listen to this. And, you know, I don't know if you could do something like this. And he was just like, just mean with it. Those drums, are, they're very kind of unsettling, you know. You know that that um, that beat on that song "Flame of Life." Um, I love it, right? And and what I love about it is um, it sort of captures that idea that um, like that I hear on tablas a lot, which are these peculiar, odd, off beats that somehow work. And he captured that on on a drum set that just like you sort of wonder where is this beat going? Yet it works the whole time. And it's, it's fascinating. That is my favorite song on the album, by the way. And I, oh, I listen to that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nice. my favorite. Mm-hmm. 
So this song actually has words to it. There's no words on the song on the album, but a lot of times, well, I don't know if anybody else does this, composers out there, but when I'm writing a melody, I, I put words to it in my head because I know that if it works sort of like metrically, you know, rhythmically, mm -hmm. with lyrics, then it's for sure a viable melody. Then it works. Mm -hmm. Then it works as a melody. And some, it's just kind of a way for me to make sure that I'm putting something out that's like a real thing, you know. So I have lyrics to it, and sometimes my lyrics are just stupid, and I don't, don't keep them. But this one I actually wrote around a poem by Jack Parsons. Mm -hmm. um, let, me, let me read it. It's, it's a little bit dark. All right. Um, if you don't know who Jack Parsons is, look him up. Yep. You'll, it'll be worth your time. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, it, this is a, like a dark, feminine goddess energy kind of a thing. I don't know if the music puts you in that mindset or not, but for mm. me, that's kind of what it's about. Mm. She is flame of life, power of darkness. She destroys with a glance. She may take the soul. She feeds on the death of men. Concentrate all force and all being in Our Lady Babylon. Light a single light on her altar, saying, Flame is Our Lady. Flame is her hair. I am flame. Mm, wow. That's beautiful. So, yeah, you know. Well, dark feminine, never hurt oh, anyone, I right? I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, I'm getting, or did it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting images of Kali, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Wow, that's cool. And you start off with this this awesome guitar solo, right? And then it yeah. then it merges into this, you know, it's it's like a mini epic, you know, it's it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit longer song. Uh, I would say it's a triptych. Triptych. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a triptych. Like triptych. So yeah, the main melody that goes with the, the Jack Parsons poem, I basically play on the acoustic guitar. I get a little, you know, jiggy with it near the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then once the beat comes in, the melody happens all the way through, harmonized, you know, like more rhythmically. And then at the end, uh, kind of play a little bit of it again, but it kind of spaces out and ends up being, a, it just sort of drifts off at the end. Mm -hmm. It kind of dissipates, you know. Mm -hmm. I like it when songs dissipate, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, like a good flame. Flame's supposed to dissipate. Yeah. Not to be, not to be confused with a fade out. You know, like, you know, uh -huh. sometimes you'll hear like the beat just keeps going and it'll repeat the chorus again and it right. fades it out. It's softer, yeah. softer. The yeah. fade out is a total cop out, man. Mm -hmm. Fuck the fade mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. The fade out is what you do when you can't figure out how to end your song. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm not against playing some like spaced out chord with like a shit ton of delay on it and just reverbing out into the ethereal cosmos. I mean, I think that happens a couple times on your That's different than the fade out. That's an ending. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> anyway, well what said. were we talking? Oh yeah, Flame of Life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I already read the poem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but yeah, Evan Kilborn on the drums. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, moving along. Unless you guys had another oh, question. Oh, let's, no, no, let's no, hear please. it. Yeah, it's a little action here. So, the Dobro is, you know. So like 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 I said, I play. A lot of instruments, and some of them I, I just do a little bit on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Really, I'm a guitar player. But so normally the dobro, is, it's used in country music, bluegrass, you know, American kind of old-timey stuff, for the most part. Mm. There's a Hawaiian connection with the dobro as well, Hawaiian guitar. Um, but normally it's tuned to a major chord, but so for Sunken Treasure, I tuned it to a minor chord. Normally mm. it's G major, I flatted the B, so it's G minor. Which normally it's, you know, it's kind of a happier sound, but look. You know, and so mm. Sunken Treasure started with a single melody. Let's see if I can do it here. sound and so i just sort of like recorded that and listened to it listened to it and just 
eventually there's a part just presents itself and it's like, well, I just have to add this thing because it's part of it now in my head, you know, mm. it's got, it's there. So I just have to, so it's almost like I'm taking dictation, really slow dictation from some sort of cosmic force. Right? Yeah. Right? You just wait until <laughs> the obvious thing appears. And it's like, okay, well, it's obvious. It's almost like I didn't write it. It just, you just wait for it. Hmm. <laughs> So Interesting. Anyway. Where, where, where does that um, where does that come from? Does that come from a particular part of your body? Does that come from your head, your chest? Like where, where, where? I'm just curious where that comes from. Where does it come from? Yeah, it, it seems like it comes from outside of me. Mm. What kind of situation is it when when you receive that kind of idea or melody? There's actually two different situations where I tend to get musical ideas like this. Um, one is late at night when everyone's asleep and it's quiet. And I've kind of just, you, there's a certain part of yourself that you kind of let, let go or you let your guard down, you know. Everyone's asleep. The night feels infinite. Wow. You know what I mean? You know that yeah. feeling where it's mm-hmm. like, if, in the morning time, it's like, oh, you got to be somewhere, you got to do this. But the night seems basically endless because... It's going to go on until I lose consciousness, and then tomorrow I'll be a new person because I'll wake up and it'll mm. be a new day. Anyway, so either late at night, like spacing uh-huh. out kind of thing, uh-huh. or at the gym doing something like on the rowing machine. Because the rowing machine is a rhythmic, full-body thing. You, you mm. kind of get a beat going on the rowing machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some of the songs on my last album I wrote on the rowing machine, actually. <laughs> I can remember you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's, if it's late at night and you're alone and not distracted by those other things and and or if you're exercising in some rhythmic way that right. occupies your attention right um then you sometimes get these flashes of insight or this kind of like like a melody or or an idea an inspiration of some kind yeah yeah so do you ever draw inspiration from things that are unpleasant things that you don't like besides pandemics <laughs> and just pandemics that's it okay. that's all <laughs> yeah um yeah, for sure. I mean, I've written songs. Okay, I, I wrote a song um, a while back called Lift This Stone, mm-hmm. which is a Dry River song, my yep. band Dry River. Yeah. Um, really, I guess my inspiration comes from feelings that sort of like just come over me. So I was mowing the lawn and thinking about my life. And at the time, I had a lot of shit that I didn't want to do. It's just, but I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, and none of it I was excited about doing. And so I just felt like I had a weight on my chest. And I'm mowing the lawn, which is kind of like being on the rowing machine in the sense that it's kind of a rhythmic, kind of vibrating experience. True. And it's sort of kind of isolating because it's loud, you know? I talk to myself when I mow the lawn and I sing to myself because I know nobody else can hear me. It's kind of like being in the cone of silence. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I, was, I felt like a weight on my chest. And I just, I got I got to lift this stone off my heart. I just kept on saying it, and I was vibrating while I was saying it, so it kind of became a rhythm. And so it started out with just this rhythmic phrase. And by the time I was done mowing the lawn, that it had vibrated all into me, and so I couldn't get it out. So the song came out after that. Gotta lift this stone. Gotta lift this stone right off of my heart. Rhythmic stuff and vibration is important, I guess. It sounds like it, so yeah. I realize that. Yeah. I mean, you have a, the rhythm, the vibration, and a metaphor, and the metaphor gets stuck, and it seems like you know your, your mind just runs with it. Yeah. It's also like, you know, you, you, you keep, when you talk about your body, like when you're working at the gym or mowing the lawn, it very much seems about, about the beat. You know what I mean? It's the rhythm. It's the, you know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of primal and, and very body-based. Yeah, well, rhythm is the most important part of music, in my, you know, not too humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, rhythm comes first. Yeah, heartbeat in the womb. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, your little little fetus floating around in the amniotic fluid, hearing. Yeah, <laughs> or what I tell people, I tell this to all my students: people dance to wrong notes all night long, <laughs> but they won't dance to the wrong rhythm. They'll start throwing things at you, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. The notes don't matter; it's the rhythm. Mm. I mean, the notes matter a little. Okay, the notes matter. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. not as much. <laughs> so mm. last night you dreamt you were drowning. Um, 
what's the significance of dreams for you? Because you know, I've known you a long time, and we have talked about dreams a lot. Yeah. You know, you, you used to write them down and take yeah. journals, but could you speak to us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I still write my dreams down. I keep a dream journal. Dreams are really important to me. Like, they flavor, they color everything, and they they tend to be not just um, diagnostic, which they can be used for, you know. But for me, it goes more than that because it it clues me and helps me realize kind of what's important to me. Because mm-hmm. if you know the things that you, especially if it's an intense dream, obviously it's important to you somehow because mm-hmm. you're dreaming about it, you know, and you might not even realize it, so it can help with things. But yeah, yeah, I've had some dreams of drowning. Um, and they're always peaceful and sort of blissful, you know? Um, Which in itself is unusual. Is it? Yeah. I think most people who dream of drowning, they, they wake up feeling like they were suffocating or coughing. Mm-hmm. I do. Huh. Yeah, I have, to, I have as well. And yeah. I know other people who have. Hmm. So the lines for this song, the, the song called um, Diamond in the Deep, the first song on the album, Last night I dreamt I was drowning, drowning in the wine-dark sea which is a Homer reference, you know, the Odyssey, mm. the wine, dark sea. Mm. Um, and I felt all my troubles just floating away from me. Mm. And actually, when I wrote, I wrote those lyrics after I had the dream, and originally it was going to be a blues tune, kind of like a stompy, kind of a four on the floor, four on the floor kind of a blues thing. But I couldn't make it work in that, with that rhythm. So I had to get a little, uh, a little slower, a little spacier. Hmm. And I remember, so when I was writing these lyrics, um, I was asking our friend James Key for help because he's a, you know, he's a skilled uh, linguist, a skilled, uh, he's a rhetor, right? Yeah, rhetorician. Rhetorician. Um, and I was like, so the song is called Diamond in the Deep. And what that means to me is that even though you're submerged in something, completely surrounded by something, in this, in this case, water, you, you don't have to lose your identity. Right, the diamond is going to stay a diamond even when it sinks to the. It's not going to dissolve, at least not for a while. Mm, right, mm. so that's kind of. I wanted to make sure that I was going to, even though, because again, pandemic, I was just kind of. I felt like I was losing myself a little bit, or just I don't know, you know, like the rest of the world probably. But I didn't want to forget who I am, so that was the metaphor I was using. It. I want to be a diamond in the deep. I, mm. I can still be me. Mm-hmm. You know. And so even though the song talks about drowning and letting all my troubles float away from me, in the end, it sort of has a happy ending. I mean, it's redemptive because the last verse says, well, if I'm still here, I must be stronger than I thought. I let go of all my fear. I thought I was lost, but I am not. Mm. And so I was looking for all these, I was asking James Key, I was like, what's a metaphor that means like diamond in the deep, like something that... is not getting lost even though it's surrounded by a bunch of stuff in order to like signal in the noise, a lighthouse, a, you know, a, a rose among the thorns and there's all these, uh, you know, the ghost mm. in the machine, all these kind of metaphors. And I had a list of like a hundred of them. You know? I even like crowdsourced it on Facebook. What's a metaphor that means this to you? Um, you know, and I, I chose my favorite, you know, handful mm. of them for the mm-hmm. song. Nice. There's a line I, I was listening on the way here um, where you... Refresh my memory. It was about chaos. Uh, you said something like... I take comfort in I chaos. I take comfort in chaos. Yeah. And then the next line is... is uh, Shelter in the storm. And shelter in the storm. I make my bed on the ocean floor. Yes, I loved that line. Thanks, man. I thought it was a good line because shelter from the storm. I mean, it's a yeah. Bob Dylan song, right? That's the common phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that idea, though. But I feel that way about you, Carlos. I mean, in the midst of chaos, you tend to be strong, or at least from my perspective. Yeah. And so, you know... You're you're a good. Uh, it's been a sink or swim. <laughs> What's that? Oh, sink it's been a sink or swim situation <laughs> for me. So, and chaos uh, has been an interesting idea in my life. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a source of a lot of inspiration. I was watching David Lynch the other day talk about, you know, transcendental meditation and kind of where his ideas come from. And he's like, he's 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 right on with it. I mean, he's like, well, you just got to go into the the chaos where. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. that's where that's where all the stuff's at. That's where all the new ideas are. You know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you don't go mm-hmm. there, then you won't get any of that. Right. Right. Yeah, I, lo- I love the old, you know, the the old definition of chaos. You know, that um, that which precedes order. Real simple. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, the idea of a, a primeval um, soup, if you will, that out of which uh, order, structures, life, and things emerge, hmm. and then uh, dissolve again at some point. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Because I mean, that's what life is, right? Mm-hmm. Life is, is is order. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You take molecules and atoms and cells and line them all up, and make them all get in rows, organize them. You know, <laughs> and there's yeah. you, know, you call it life, and then death is you know, and it all becomes messy again. So is the implication that if it's not eventually going to form order, then it isn't chaos? Say that again? I said it. I said it it's again. only chaos if it has the possibility to create order out of itself? I would assume so, because uh, you know the, the whole idea of chaos is, is a, kind of a pregnant possibility. Right, yeah. You know, well, then, n- n- not to diverge too much, but you and I have both read Shantaram. Oh, Shantaram is so and this, good. And there's and there's the, the whole idea of the um, tendency towards complexity. Yeah. You know, how about that being the definition of God, you know? Yeah, but and this is the uh, Bombay Mafia boss's uh, spiritual philosophy. Yes. Cotter by in, in the book, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, can, you, can you summarize the philosophy Ka- for by, yeah. So the idea is he's this... Um, so the book is Shantaram, beautiful book. Um, and the idea is this Mafia boss makes a living by doing all these illegal things, but he has a certain ethic in what he will and won't do. Mm-hmm. And it seems a little, a little odd that like, well, you'll do these things, but you won't do those things. And like, you know, like, uh, how does this make any sense? Then he explains that his philosophy is that, you know, like his work as this mafia boss is very spiritual and it's, it's spiritual work because he says that, you know, in the universe, um, we can start to see that there is a tendency towards complexity and that it makes sense that there is an ultimate complexity and that his best working definition of what God is, is the ultimate complexity. So that whatever work you do, make sure the, your work is promoting the ultimate complexity rather than tearing down the ultimate complexity. And then he knows if he's doing right or wrong. Right. And he talks about doing the right thing for the wrong reason and right. the wrong thing for the right reason and you know, these yeah. kinds of things. So that was it. Yeah, that was nice, nice summation there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that book was so great. Um, Really, it took me so long to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it a, was it's like, like a phone book. S- so yeah. completely epic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it's the most epic thing I've read. Yeah, I've read yeah. War and Peace too. Okay, <laughs> and Gravity's is, Rainbow. Yeah, and Gravity's Rainbow, of course. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, War and Peace. Girdle Escher Bach. Girdle <laughs> Escher Bach and a Shirt on Golden Braid by Douglas Hofstadter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like to read. Yeah. So speaking of um, like greatest epics ever. Um, the last song on your album is Sunken Treasure, and right. it's an epic. Yeah, it's an epic. Mm-hmm. Is sure. that the greatest epic you've created so far? It's it's not the longest, but it's my favorite. Mm. Yeah, it's my it's a favorite thing I've done, yeah. All right. So on the last album, I had a song called Expansive Universe, which Danny and I used to play with, uh, in our band together. Um, and that was longer. That was like 33 minutes. This one's only like 22 minutes, but I, I really feel like, even though it's really long, it's a 22-minute song, but it's not... Any longer than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel like I mm. was like just rambling, you know. It's like mm. I I felt like it was as short as it could be to really tell the story. Yeah, you mm-hmm. did it justice. Oh yeah, sunken treasure. And some of the story can be told in words. There's there's a, there's a little bit of a program to it, you know, a story to it. But some of it, it the words sort of fail a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, yeah, it goes far. It starts with that dobro part, and then it just kind of. There's a groove that happens, and then you're, we're on the ship, and we're sailing, and then the ship crashes, and we sink, and it's chaos, and then somehow, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll hear the story when you listen to it. I think that's helpful to just know that part, to just think of a ship going out on a journey, and then it gets ripped apart and sinks. And you'll, you'll hear, you know, sort of demonic, you know, undines and water demons tearing you apart. Hey, pretty, when that happens. Yeah, yeah, I know. God. And those were it's some, usually for the best, though. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> some of those those sounds of the uh, the the sirens, right? The demons, you mm-hmm. know, you're talking about. How, how did you create those sounds? Um, a lot of it is just, it's just me um, 
vocalizing, mm. s- screaming, um, and then sometimes you know I, you know I manipulate the sound a little bit mm. in some ways, you know put some effects on it or some in some cases I reverse the sound, which always gives you kind of an otherworldly thing, and some of them are harmonics on the upright bass with a bow, uh, played by Ben Ross. I'm kind of squeaky. Like the things near the beginning of that section that sound like seagulls a little bit, mm. kind of squeaky, more friendly stuff is um, the bass. And then the rest of it is me kind of just freaking out into a microphone. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, a lot of percussion on there too. I did, I did a bunch of tracks of uh, crumpling up paper into the microphone, mm. which is kind of a fun sound, you know? Huh. That's cool. I played, um, there's like a stool that I played. You know, just hit things. A lot of things uh-huh. get hit. You know. Yeah, it sounds like the I sounds think, that would be on a ship. I think there's some uh, the washing machine door slamming on there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, some of that. Wow. Everything but the kitchen sink, huh? Oh, wait, there is the kitchen sink. <laughs> that, that, not the kitchen sink, but there's the garage sink. Oh, the garage, garage sink. sink. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because like I, I, like I said just a moment ago, there are sounds in that song that make you feel like you're hearing the sounds of a ship. Yeah. It sounds creaky and woody. And yeah, that's that's the uh, bow you know, on the yeah. bass strings. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, was yeah. great. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Ollie, we're asking you to play um, a little bit of the beginning of "Flame of Life." Flame of Life. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you remember the Jack Parsons poem, you can sing along in your head. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get your dark feminine on? Okay. Let's see how this goes. Follow the bouncing ball. Wow. Yeah, we could, yeah we'll, we'll do an animated There thing. we go. Yeah. This, yeah. Way, can I just say this is my favorite guitar right now? Oh, cool. Can, can we have, oh, like, go ahead. Say it. Yeah. Of, what, what, kind of, what kind of guitar is this? A little bit of guitar nerd. I mean, you know, not everyone's a guitar player. This is a Laravee SD50. SD stands for Slope Shoulder Dreadnought. Mm. You can see mm. it has a slotted headstock. Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned tuners. It's very light, but it's also huge. This mm-hmm. thing is big. And it's got a lot of real estate on the fretboard. The strings are really far apart from each other in this guitar. Like even more than some classicals, Hmm. which are known for having wide string spacing. Mm -hmm. And it's just a goddamn beautiful piece of, I mean, this is mahogany. Look at that mahogany. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's gorgeous. It's got a spruce top. I just think this thing is so freaking great. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, Jean Larivee, Larivee, which is a Canadian company, but they have a factory in Oxnard, California now. 
They're not cheap, but they're just my favorite guitars. <laughs> nice. How long did you work on this album? I'm just like, like the first, like, like, like maybe what's the piece of music on there that you wrote the longest ago? And like, so like, give us a timeline. Well, as far as when I wrote it, I wrote Flame of Life a long time ago when I was playing with Danny, seven or eight years ago, six years ago, something like that. But I didn't really, I mean, it just existed on its own for a while. And then when I dusted it off for this album, kind of recreated it, um, it was probably a couple years. Uh, Sunken Treasure was probably about two years as well. The two songs with actual words that I sing on the album were both written during the pandemic, so a little less than a year. But like I said, I don't like deadlines, so just whenever something becomes the obvious thing that just has to be part of the song, already is a part of the song, Mm -hmm. somehow, I just have to record it. So I just wait, you know, I don't want to rush it. Yeah, yeah. No deadlines. Lifelines. Yeah, lifelines. Lifelines. There you go. I like that. (laughs) How do you... Wow. I usually just late at night when everyone's asleep, I work on it. Hmm. How do you know that it's done? Mm. That's a good question. Good question. How do you know when it's done? You can ask this to any artist. Hmm. Um, so in order to answer that question, I need to give you a little bit more detail about how I work. So when I'm, okay, so when I finished recording the basic song, let's say I've recorded all the parts. I got the drums, I got the bass, I got the guitar, I got the vocals, whatever, I got the solos. Basically all the parts are there. It's mapped out. The structure is more or less set. Then what I do is I come out here to my garage Hmm. and I push play. And I sit back and I kind of close my eyes. And whenever something breaks me out of my reverie, I know it has to be fixed somehow. Hmm. Oh, like, this I'll is just great. Be, well, something I noticed. I'm not even listening, really, to the music. Hmm. Or not consciously, but something that's like kind of wakes me up. And I'll be like, okay, what was that? And either it's like something's too loud, something's too quiet, or like that melody didn't work or whatever. And I basically just mess around with it until I can get through it without noticing it <laughs> hmm. you know because it, it's all about the reverie music puts it's like you know it's like casting a spell right so if you wake up and like you you, you know it's no good wow that's a beautiful strategy that's it something is. i feel like I, I could even use in my own life like just there's something you're working on and just you wait until like your subconscious picks up on something hey something's needed something's mm-hmm. needed mm-hmm. oh that's interesting i never even thought about that yeah. And, I, and I just have this, you know, a brain that's flooded with genius mapping ideas. And I, I feel like you would get a lot out of that. Oh, the Jonathan Altfeld genius Absolutely, mapping. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Who you guys mm. just, in, that was a great interview, by the way. Mm. Oh, oh, you got to hear it. Good. Yeah, I, well, I mm-hmm. edited it. Oh, oh yeah, fantastic. that's right, you're done already. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, did, yeah. the thing he did with you was great. Oh, yeah, wasn't that wonderful? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was cool. It made me learn things about myself, you know. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, you know, I think how much we could all learn about ourselves just by going through that process. But but that's yeah. another episode. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I can get through the whole thing without noticing it, it's done. Mm. And then I send it off. And in this case, like I said, my friend Dave Bushmeyer to master it because I don't have the equipment or the expertise to do a decent mastering. Mm. Is the, the noticing of it... Um, does it, does that come into play also when you feel like there isn't enough? So for example, knowing that you have, um, what is it? Is it four songs on this latest album? Just four songs. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, um, there's some point where you went, oh, okay, that's about right for an album. Um, is what, what, what comes into play with that? Uh, well, I like albums that have a similar vibe all the way through. Okay. For, you know, first of all, Mm -hmm. I don't want to have like. A slow song and then a fast song and then a sad song and then a happy song. I don't want every song. I want them all to be the same vibe because I want to put on the album and relax, do whatever move, whatever I'm going to be doing. You know, yeah. whatever you do when you listen to music. You know, I want it to yeah. be like a like a trance thing. You know, yeah, yeah. And and I should qualify the word relax because you can be relaxed and active. Oh sure, yeah. You know, I don't I don't mean relax in the sense of falling asleep, but but just like right. being at ease and in flow. Right, exactly. And when I say trance, I don't necessarily mean sleepy time. Or, or spacing out. Right, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can have a very active, energetic trance. I yeah. Mean, I don't need to tell you this. You're Absorption. the hypnotist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess I never had a problem with not having enough, though. So you're asking, how do you know when it's enough? Mm. As opposed to how, how do you know when it's, like, not too much? Um, you know, the, I, I don't know, the... That's to me, that was never hard, like knowing when you have enough material. Mm. 
Um, but, you know, sometimes I think I, I, I didn't make actual vinyl records with this album, but, you know, I, I'm a vinyl guy. I've got a vinyl collection. I like vinyl length things. So this album is like 45 minutes. It's like a record, you know? Mm-hmm. I think generally the most you put on a side is like, you know, 22 minutes, something like that. You can put more, but then interestingly, the volume can't be as loud because the grooves have to be smaller. Ah. Oh, didn't know that. So I would love to get this thing out on vinyl. Maybe I will one day. It's kind of expensive, though. Mm. Maybe I'll have to do like a pre-order thing. Is it tempting to add too much to a song? Or is that not, not an issue for you? Uh, that's not an issue. That's not an issue for mm. me because, mm-hmm. like I said, I just... Well, so once I have everything, a lot of the the process of like, right, like I said, where I listen to it and like make sure nothing wakes me out of my reverie, mm-hmm. a lot of that process is taking things away. Mm. Oh, okay. So you sort of pare it down sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. It reminds me of the Tao Te Ching. Every day in the pursuit of learning, something is gained, mm-hmm. but every day in the pursuit of the Tao, something is lost. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You should see my, you know, metaphorical cutting room floor. It's... It's a lot of stuff on the cutting yeah. room floor. <laughs> it's a, yeah. a lot of musical body parts on the ground. Mm-hmm. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, usually they get recycled into other things. I'll put it on the authenticity show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll become yeah, a yeah. little thing instead of a big thing. Yeah. It's, it's, the show's a good repository for yeah. those it's kinds of things. It's, it's my yeah. garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Nice. Are you working on an album right now? Yeah, I am, actually. You are? I've been working on this another album the whole time. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be like a groovy kind of a funk thing with shorter sort of meters inspired. Um, you know, meters, the great New Orleans funk band. Meters inspired kind of three-minute funk songs. So not non-lyrical, but... but uh... Yeah, I don't think there's going to be lyrics on it. It's mm-hmm. gonna, I already have a, a title in it, and I have the artwork actually too, already done for it. Wow. Nice. Uh, it's going to be called Groove Salad. Nice. Ooh. And my daughter Zoe, who my daughter Zoe did the artwork for this album. Last night I dreamt I was dreamt I was drowning too, by the way. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, yeah. I had it projected onto my big uh, flat screen TV that I have. Oh, and wow. it, it was nice to see it like that. Uh, uh, and Danny and I were Danny and I were, were having dinner and talking about it and um, oh, he, he's cool. mentioning, Oh yeah, that's Zoe's art and I really like to see it projected on my big screen. Nice. It was cool. Yeah, Zoe Alting. And she did the art for um Groove salad. Hopefully, it'll be out you know, cool. probably late 2021. Okay. Yeah. Be groovy. I've got like, you know, eight or nine tunes done. Got to do a handful more. Okay. Thanks for letting me come on the show, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good to have you. You really had to twist our arm on this one. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casanos and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our guest today, Oliver Altin. That's me. I'm also the producer of the show. You can find my new album on all the major streaming places, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, a couple other ones. The album is called Last Night I Dreamt I Was Drowning, and I hope you listen to it. And let me know what you think, too. Um, You can also find our website for the authenticity show at authenticityshow.com thank you for listening and have an authentic day Mm -hmm.